want to go to Children's Church, uh, go out with the Gillies there. Thank you so much for that, that song. I was just thinking about that phrase, leave it there. I, I heard a funny story, it's a true story. It has to do with my son-in-law named Caleb, Caleb Steele. He's married to my daughter Katie, and I just heard, uh, I, it's just unbelievable. Uh, Caleb uh, had to go to work. It's still dark outside, and so he, he gets in his truck, and he goes to work, and he pulls out and drives down the road, and I, I believe he was on, on veterans. I think that's what I said he was. And the fellow come up beside him, honking his horn and waving and pointing, and uh, what what's going on? And... Um, there was a turkey riding on the tailgate of his truck going down the road. <laughs> it's not something you see every day driving down the road. Right on the, I think on the edge of the, the tailgate, he was riding, a turkey was riding on that. Uh, Caleb and Katie have two pet turkeys, and one of them, I guess he thought maybe November's rapidly approaching and he was trying to escape. I, I'm not sure. And I, that song reminded me, Caleb, you should have left it there, not... Uh, but he didn't see it in the dark, I guess, and I think uh, his dad and his sister come down and got the turkey and took him back home, where the sentence will be carried out, I think, in a few weeks to the, the pet turkeys. Um, I just thought that would be one you just hope you could catch on video to see that I don't even know how the turkey held on. I guess he was roosting or something, but he was just riding along like this was the best. All right, if you have your Bible, at Bible's Acts 27. We're going to tonight kind of follow up on what I spoke on last Sunday night. We talked about, in, in, in context of the hurricane coming through and all, how tragic that was and how that impacted people, and we talked about why does God allow suffering? Why does he allow suffering? And uh, that's a big question. People see that happens to someone, maybe happens to themselves. Uh, that's an often asked question. Now, we just as a way of review, we said there's several answers. Not there might be several of these answers involved in each situation, or one, but certainly there is an answer to that. And uh, first thing we we mentioned is that man, in a sense, is responsible. Why are there hurricanes? Why are there Sickness, why is there a disease? Because man chose to sin. And when a man sinned, sin entered into God's creation. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 22 says, The whole creation groans and travails up to this time because of the impact of sin on God's creation. And so man is responsible, but uh, through the scripture, God tells us many reasons why suffering can happen. Why, why does that happen? Well, we, one of the things we mentioned is sometimes God allows tribulation or suffering to teach us, to teach us something, to teach people. Another possibility was God allows suffering for a future good. And we, we brought up the example of Joseph, how Joseph went through a lot of suffering. And then near the more toward the end of his life, he said, you, you, you my brothers, meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to save much people alive. So sometimes suffering is for future good. Sometimes God allows suffering for punishment, punishing sin. Um, for Christians, sometimes God allows punishment. It's called chastisement or chastening. 
when a Christian is not doing what he ought to, when they get into evolved in sin, they won't make it right with God. God will correct them. Uh, sometimes God allows suffering for his glory to be shown. We mentioned the example in John chapter 9 where the man was born blind. The disciples wanted to know, why, why was this guy born blind? I'm surely he sinned or his parents sinned. And God said, uh, Jesus said no. Basically, and Jesus healed him and what, what was shown? God's power and glory. And we mentioned also sometimes suffering is just vicarious. Suffering on behalf of someone else. And, of course, the example of someone, a soldier fighting in a war, suffering for people in this country. An ultimate example, of course, is Jesus Christ who suffered for us. And so we, we mentioned all those things. And so our conclusion was, if you were here last week, is that though God doesn't say you have to like that, but you can be confident that God has a purpose or meaning for it in your life. And here was the key. The key was we, we must trust God. We might not always understand. But I believe one day when we stand before God, we go, you know, God, you knew what you were doing all the time, even though I didn't like it. And so tonight we're going to kind of go in a little more detail about that. And you see the title of you. If you got a little handout, did everybody get a handout? Okay, here's the little handout. And it says storms on the top. We're going to talk about storms and a particular storm here in Acts chapter 27. And we can get some principles about it and, and, and learn some things. And hopefully it will help you in, in the context, you know, why is, why is there suffering? And why, why do we get into to some problems that we get into sometime? You know, probably we're all going to face a storm. Uh, some of you might be in a storm right now. Some difficulty or trouble. Maybe God's trying to teach you something. Maybe it's for a future good that you don't know or understand yet. I encourage you, whatever it is, just trust God. And he will, he will be proven right because he is God. All right? Acts chapter 27. Look at your handout. Let's, let's just fill in that first line, that first blank. It says that storms in our life are caused by either one of three things. God or others, or ourselves. So when, we, when storms come up in our life, either God or others or ourselves, essentially God is involved in all these things because sometimes we have problems in our life because of the choices of others. You know, somebody uh, breaks in your house and steals your, all your things, you, you have a storm caused by someone else. Uh, and... Uh, Maybe God allowed that because he's trying to what? Teach you something. Maybe God's trying to get your attention about something in your life. Now, you know, I, I, I'll get up here and tell you, I don't know. But God is always right. But what we want to focus in on tonight is ourselves. What do we do or what choices do we make ourselves that kind of get, maybe get us into a storm that God allows because, hey, he's trying to get our attention. He's trying to teach us something. Uh, uh, and, and so hopefully this will be a help to you tonight. So on your first thing, how do we get ourselves in the storms? Well, in Acts 27, Paul has kind of gone through a sort of a trial process, and he has appealed to Caesar to take his case to Caesar. So they're going to put Paul on a ship, and they're going to take him, eventually get up so he can have his time in court, in a sense, before Caesar himself. And so look in Acts 27... And uh, 
here in verse 11, we're going to see the first thing that happened. So they're getting ready to go on this trip. And in verse 11, well, let's read verse 10 and we'll come back to verse 10. But in a second uh, and say something else about it. But Paul says in verse 10 and said unto them, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only to the, of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Verse 11, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. So the first way we we get ourselves into some storms sometime and some difficult situations is by, number one, taking the wrong advice from the experts. Taking the wrong advice from the experts. And here in this verse, Paul says, hey, I, I don't think we ought to be careful about Launching off and taking this trip, there's going to be some problems. But the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship. He, he, he's the ship guy. You're just a preacher guy. You don't know anything. And so they took the wrong advice from an expert. You know what an expert is? An X is an unknown, and a spurt is a drip under pressure. So an expert is an unknown drip under pressure. That's, that's what it is. And sometimes we listen to the so-called experts. But here's the key for us as Christians. Always hold your place here in chapter 27. Look in chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Here's what we need to do. There's a lot of people who have a lot of ideas about what we should do as believers. There's a lot of preachers that preach things. There's a lot of teachers that teach things. And here's the key. This is what we need to do. Compare what the experts say to what God says. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, it's interesting, talking about the the Berean Christians, it said these, the Berean Christians, were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. So they enthusiastically listened to preaching and listen to teaching. They, they, they received the word with all readiness of mind. But hey, even though this guy might be an expert, I'm going to compare what they say to what God says. And many times we as believers in Christ, we're very enthusiastic about, hey, okay, that sounds great. But we need to always compare. I love, how many here love pastors preaching? I love to hear pastor preach, and it's good. But you know, you, yeah, you like it. Pastor likes it preaching, and it's good. Now, the, 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 but you ought to listen to what he says. Look, look at the scriptures and compare what he's saying to what the Bible says. Always compare it to what the Bible says. Why, why do we do that? Well, they're not pastor, but there's some people that would purposely try to deceive you or twist scripture or do what? There's some people that are very sincere, but they're just wrong about something. It's just their idea, their opinion. And so we always compare what's being taught, what's being uh, said to the Word of God. In fact, look back uh, in chapter 27. We mentioned we're coming back to verse 10. That's exactly what happened here. In verse 10, Paul says, in verse 10, 27.10, Sirs, I perceive that this, this voyage will be with hurt. When he said perceive, who revealed that to Paul? God did. That was God, what God said. And uh, the owner should say, well, I, I, uh, the ship people, well, should I listen to the so-called experts or should I listen to, 
to God. And they didn't. They took advice from the wrong person. What happened to them? They ended up in a storm. We don't have time there uh, tonight, but you ought to go and look and read in 1 Kings chapter 13. It's an interesting story about a prophet and God sent him to talk to the, to the king. And, and uh, he said, you go tell the king this, you deal with the king. And, but don't, once you do that, do that you, you leave. You don't stop. You don't, you, know, you don't pull into the 7-Eleven and get you a big soda and chips. You, you, get, you leave. And so he did that, and he was on his way. And, and there was another person there who said they were a prophet, and they chased off after him, basically, and they found him sitting there and said, hey, why don't you come back and have, have dinner with me? And uh, I said, well, God said not to come back, not to, not to hang around. And he said, well, I'm a prophet too, and you come back, it'll be okay. So he came back. What happened to him? Well, a lion ate him. <laughs> That's basically, he got killed by a lion. So what I'm saying tonight, if you don't compare what's preached to the Word of God, the lion's going to eat you, <laughs> figuratively. It, it, when we take a wrong advice and we don't compare what's being taught or what's being said to the Word of God. By the way, that goes for a lot of things, not just you know, Christian things. Hey, what, what, are they, what are they saying in the paper, if anybody has a paper anymore, or the television, or the radio? A lot of people have a lot of ideas about a lot of things, about our country, about the world, about what's right or wrong. Always, they might be Dr. Bigfella, but you compare what they say to the Bible, or a lion's going to eat you, and you're going to get yourself into a storm. And maybe God allows that storm to try to teach you, and next time you ought to listen to me. I don't know. That's a possibility. Let's look at number two. We've got to move on. Here's the second thing that happened here. Uh, by taking wrong advice from the majority. By taking wrong advice from the majority. Look in Acts 27. Look at verse 12. It says, And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part, the more part. Who's that? It's the people. If you sense the majority, hey, advice to depart this also. And so the majority said, hey, you ought to go ahead and start, start sailing, start, start going. And that was the advice of the majority. Uh, anybody remember a time when the majority was really wrong? When they said crucify Christ. And the priest got them stirred up and the crowd said, we don't want Barabbas. I mean, we don't want Christ, we want Barabbas to... to uh, uh, to be freed. We want Jesus to be crucified. You know, um, you ought to write letter A underneath there. The majority of the time, the majority is wrong. That's not, not always wrong. But if, if, if you go out and you have some idea or philosophy and you say, well, what does the world, what's the world have to say about it? Majority of the time, the majority is, is wrong. Again, how, how do you know the majority is wrong? You compare what the majority says to what the Bible says. There's a lot of issues in our country today, a lot of social issues having to do with sexuality and uh, uh, something like abortion. And uh, it, you name it, there's a lot of ideas that the majority, well, yeah, that, sound, that sounds good. I, I would watch out because the majority of the time, the majority is wrong. What are they saying and what does God's word say? So they, they, they took some wrong advice, and they followed the majority. Look at number three. Look at number three. 
by taking the wrong advice based on circumstances, by taking wrong advice based on circumstances. Acts 27, verse 13, it says, And when the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. So, hey, the circumstance, hey, the, the wind's going good. I know that Paul said, if you, if you sail, you're going to have trouble. But, man, this is, this is the right circumstance. We're going we're gonna to make time. What does the Bible say? The Bible says to walk by faith and not by sight. And so many times we get ourselves in the storm based on the circumstances, what's happening in our life, what we see with our eyes. And circumstances can be very deceiving. Uh, quickly, we just want to look at these two verses. Uh, hold your finger here in chapter 27. Look in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. In Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 25, Proverbs 4, verse 25, Proverbs right after Psalms, and this, this is interesting to talk about looking with our eyes. It says, let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, to the left, remove thy foot from evil. So he's talking about just keeping a focus on what you, you need to keep in focus. What gets our focus off following Christ many times? Because remember, the Bible says, looking unto Jesus. Well, we get our eyes off Jesus and we get them on circumstances. And it can be things that are very legitimate. It could be our health. It could be uh, a financial situation in your family, whatever it might be. And we start looking at circumstances and, and you know, uh, you know I, I, I need to stop giving to the church because I, I'm in a fan financial strait. Um, I, I need to stop uh, going to church so much so I can do, do more with this. I have to, I'm going to go to the doctor on Sunday morning. That's a poor illustration. But we get our eyes on circumstances and, and, and instead of Christ, and we get ourselves into some storms. Um, we get our lives into some storm. So what mistakes will we make? Look at letter B on your hand out there. What mistakes we make? Okay, maybe we've followed the wrong advice. Maybe we've tried to do all the right things, but God has allowed a storm in our life, for, again, for whatever reason, to teach us something for a future good we don't see. Whatever it might be, what are some mistakes when these things happen to us? Well, here's number one. We just drift. We just drift. Look in Acts 27, look in verse 15. First in verse 14, they, they, their storm blew up called the Oroclodon. And in verse 15, when the ship was caught up and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. Just storm, take us where you want to go. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> gonna, this, we're going to, in other words, the, the, the little um, parentheses there, we, we prepare for the worst. I, it's nothing we can do. And many times there isn't nothing we can do, but what should, what, how should we think about that? Okay, God has allowed a storm to come up in our life. What are we going to do? Let, letter A there, uh, well, we shouldn't just drift and kind of drift alone. We should fight and bail and paddle. Fight and bail, bail like, not bail the false god, bail like bailing out a boat, okay? And paddle. 
We, we, we need to do that. How many have ever been tubing? Like on a creek in the mountains. I love to go tubing. I don't know why I like it. It's freezing cold. You, you hit your bottom on rocks and, and, and all kinds of things happen to you. But I, I like to go tubing. But, uh, you know, when, when we go tubing, there's a place that I've gone many times. It's called Deep Creek in Bryson City, North Carolina. And uh, they, they, it's a big thing to tube. But uh, uh, the upper part of the ride, there is, I, I, I call it a waterfall. I would suppose it's probably about, oh, about this high down. That I means a big drop. And the key to not getting flipped off the tube, you've got, you got to go frontwards with your feet facing forward, sitting on the tube, and not let go because it feels like you're going to tip over. But if you just hold on, you go over but the problem is it's, it flows real fast and goes right in here. And you know what your tube wants to do? It wants to spin. Mm-hmm. And it's starting to spin. Oh, no, I'm going to go over backwards. And you just, no, I'm not going to. I'm paddling. I'm paddling. I'm pushing. I'm grabbing. I'm doing anything to make myself spin around and go over front ways so I won't flip off. You know, many times we get in a storm and our life seems to start spinning around and we just kind of give up. God doesn't want you to, in a sense, give up. He wants you to paddle. He wants you to bail. He wants you to keep going. And we make the mistakes of giving up. Something else that happens when you tube, if you don't work at it, a lot of people just, I'm just going to drift. I always love to see people, hey, I'm just going to lay back and let the current take me. Well, you know what happens when you let the current take you? You end up on some rocks and you're stuck. And you ain't moving especially when you weigh as much as I do. You, you'll just be stuck there, and you have to get up. You know, sometimes when, when we have difficulties in our life and storms in our life, we shouldn't just drift. We, we need to, to work. By the way, that's all in the context of what? Trust in God. Now, this is tough, but with your help, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep, keep paddling, keep, keep uh, fighting and trying to go in the right direction. Something else we do, which is a big mistake, is we start to, number two there, to start to discard things. We start to discard things. In Acts 27, in verse 18, it says, And we, being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. So, they were trying to make the ship go for the storm, and, and they were getting rid of things, throwing them overboard to, to try to save themselves. And many times we get into storms as believers, and we start to discard, uh, discard things. Uh, letter A, sometimes it's the Bible. You know, the Bible's real offensive. If you talk about the Bible and teach the Bible, people get offended. We just need to come to church and have a social opportunity and encourage people socially. You know, uh, churches need to stick to the Bible. In the Bible, I'm talking about uh, the King James Bible. That's what I'm talking about. Amen. I believe the King James Bible is the Bible for the English-speaking people, translated from the received text. Okay, and I'm not. This is not a message on Bible versions, uh, but that's why we use the King James here. We believe it is the best translation for for us. It, it, <laughs> preach on. I, I, I could, but I, I need to move on to the next point. But don't throw out the Bible. There's a lot, of, a lot of empty church buildings with people kind of neglected. The church has neglected the Bible and teaching the Bible, and pretty soon they just dry up and go away. 
We need the Word of God. Don't discard the Word of God. Another one, letter B, is standards. A lot of times people say, well, this is, I'm really a hard time. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try to live that way anymore. And they'll throw out their standards. Let me ask you a question. Are your standards the same as they were 10 years ago? It, by the way, everybody has standards. Okay, everybody has standards. It, you know, uh, ever how silly you think it is, uh, hopefully everybody here has a standard. I'm not going to murder people. You, you all agree with that? And of course, the Bible says not to do that, but that's our standard. I'm going to live by that. So everybody has standards. You know, when we say, you hear the word standards, you think, oh, he's talking about music. He's talking about the way you dress. Well, that, that's part of it, having standards. But a lot of times when, when the storms come up, it's a lot easier if I don't stand for something. And we change what we stand for. And we discard those things. Letter C, and we're not going to spend much time on that. Your friends. Maybe, you know, I, these guys, I'm having a storm, and I, I, I just need, I'm going to run with a different crowd. You know, the crowd you need is the crowd at the church, the people that love the Lord. They need to be your friends, not somebody who's not concerned about what God thinks. Another thing that happens is, letter D, we start to discard preaching. And this goes back to not having the Word of God uh, be an emphasis in a ministry. I don't, well, you're preaching too hard. No, I don't, I don't, you're stepping on my toes. And so we discard preaching. And letter E, many times we'll discard Soul winning. And by the way, soul winning is the program of the church. Everything we do, it should be to try to win people to Christ. Secondly, everything we do ought to try to encourage believers. And one great way to encourage believers is have a soul winning church. Nothing more encouraging than to see people come to Christ. All right. I think, uh, turn, turn your thing over. We're moving along so we can get done tonight because I, I need you to help me do something in a few minutes. Here's the third thing we, uh, uh, mistake we make many times when we uh, we're getting in storms is, number three, we despair. We despair. Acts 27, verse 20. Here, Paul and these men on the ship, it says in verse 20, and when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope, that we should be saved was then taken away. They were in despair. You ever been in despair? A lot of times we get into storms, we can get in despair. This is, this is bad. This is hard. This is difficult. In fact, your parentheses uh, is all hope is taken away. All hope. If you're filling that out, I'm sorry I didn't give that to you. So number three, we despair and all hope is taken away. So what do we start to do? Well, letter A, many times people start to criticize, criticize God, criticize circumstances, whatever, they're, they're critical. Do you remember the children of Israel? Uh, if you want to write down, write down 1 Corinthians 10, 5 through 11. 1 Corinthians 10, 5 through 11. In those verses, it talks about some of the things that the children of Israel did. And a lot of it was murmuring and complaining and being critical, critical of what their, their circumstances were, critical of God. And it said God judged them. And it says that God included that story to be an example for us. Let, let me tell you a big thing, and this is not easy to do. 
because it's just our nature. Many times when we have a storm in our life, it's to start to be negative and critical. Can I tell you a couple things about being critical and criticizing? No, here's the first thing. It doesn't fix it. It doesn't fix it. Now, whatever the storm is, you go, ah, I don't like this. Well, that don't fix it, does it? No, it don't fix it. Yet we just love to, to be critical. Number two, it's a bad testimony for believers. Nobody, believer is going to like a difficult time in your life. That's why the Bible, if it's chastening, and, and Hebrews chapter 12, it says no chasing for the, the moment seems good, but then it, it, it yields some peaceable uh, circumstances for us. So you're not going to like a storm, but when we are just all this, and we're just critical and whiny and complaining, and an unbeliever sees that, well, what their God don't really seem like he helps them. Yeah. It's a bad testimony. And the third reason we shouldn't be uh, one that criticizes is just going to make you feel worse. <laughs> You're just bringing more misery on yourself as you criticize and complain. And let's move on to letter B under that. When we despair, many times we give up on God. We give up on God. I know all of us have seen and have no examples of someone who had a tough time and they just give up on God. They get angry at God. They want to blame God, criticize him. And what's the shame about giving up on God? You're giving up on the only one that can truly help you. Amen. That's who you're giving up on. Hey, I don't, I don't want anything to do with church anymore. I don't want anything to do with God anymore. And you're giving up on the only one that can truly help you. The, the bottle of liquor ain't going to help you. Drugs aren't going to help you. Oprah's not going to help you. You just name what everybody thinks. That somebody's gonna, they, they cannot help you. you get, don't give up on the one that can help you. And that's God himself. So don't give up on God and church. You know what's good about coming to church when you're in a storm? is There's, there's, there's support there. There's, there's encouragement there. So I go to church and nobody's tried to support. Well, find your church. <laughs> that they, they, that they'll be an encouragement to you. Don't give up on going to church. And so that's important. And then I'll hold your place here. Just quickly turn to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Letter C is something else sometimes that we do when we get into storms. We want to blame others. We want to blame others. Romans chapter 2. We want to, to say it's not my fault. You ever notice that? That's a kind of a, a whole culture in our country. It's always somebody else's fault. Obviously, I can never make a mistake. <laughs> I can never do anything wrong. It's always somebody else's fault. Boy, the, the politicians really love that. Oh, you see that bad thing? It's not our fault. It's, the, it's them. It's the other, it's the other people. Uh, they want to blame others. Look at Romans 2. Look at verse 1. It says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, Whosoever thou art that judgest, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doeth the same things. Isn't that, that sounds like politics today. The thing that politicians always like to do is blame the other party of stuff that they're doing themselves to try to make themselves look big or good. But we tend to blame others, and 
God says, watch out for doing that. In fact, look down in verse 6. It says, who will render to every man according to someone else's deeds. No, it says to his deeds. Is that what it says? In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, it says, we all appear to put the judgment seat of Christ that every man will receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done. And so be careful about blaming others because it's not going to help anything and it doesn't matter what they did. What are you going to do? So we get in storms. Don't blame. Don't criticize. And please don't give up on God. So let's look at letter C. How do we get out of storms? Now, uh, this is not some kind of magic formula. You know, a lot of people, I, I, it's interesting looking in Christian circles, a lot of times there'll be a book or something that goes out and, you know, you do this, you know, you stand up, hold one foot up like this and, and fly like an airplane and you, it'll, you'll take care of everything. And, and that's not the idea of it. But God talks very clearly about what do we do when we get in storms. Number one, letter C there, number one, is stick to the word of God. We already mentioned that. God's word has the answers. God's word will help us. God will use his word to help us. God will use his word to encourage us. And so stick to the word of God. And and secondly, this, number two, be of good cheer because of God's promises. Be of good cheer because of God's promises. Look in Acts 27 again. Turn back there. Acts 27. And look in verse... Acts 27. Look in verse 22. Now, Paul is speaking to the people on the ship. He says, "Now And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood... By me this night, I'll be done in a minute, the angel of God, <laughs> whose I am and whom I serve. And whom I serve. Um, he, he, said, he had a promise here, a promise from God himself. In uh, verse 25, he says, Wherefore, sirs, be of God, a good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. So we, we are going to get into storms, and, and there, remember, there's a lot of reasons that's possible. And we might not be sure of them. We might not understand them until we get to heaven one day. But you can be of good cheer because of God's promises in his word, that what he wants to do in our life and what he wants to do through our lives. Look at number three there. Remember, your deliverance is guaranteed. It's guaranteed by God's presence. Amen. Your deliverance is guaranteed by God's presence. Acts 27, verse 23, it says, For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and I serve. You know, God was present with Paul in that ship. And Paul said, I know God's going to do what he said. I, here's a phrase you always ought to remember. If Jesus is on the boat... It's not going to sink. Remember the disciples out in the sea and Jesus sleeping down there and they thought for sure they were going under and they said, wait a minute, Jesus is here. Come, come save us, Jesus. Of course, Jesus told me, you have little faith. But when Jesus is on the boat, it cannot sink. Don't make the mistake in this, the storm Say, I'm not going to make it. The fact that you, if you know Christ, God himself lives within you in the person of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus is on the boat. And, and his presence is a guarantee that you're going to make. And in fact, look at number four. You are going to make it. You are going to make it through the storm. And, and chapter 27, look at verse 44. So the ship, basically, they let it run aground and had to jump off and swim for the shore. And it says in verse 44, and the, the rest, some on boards and some on broken pieces of ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. They made it just like God said. You will make it. Now you're saying to yourself, well, Pastor Rick, how do you know? How do I know I'm going to make it? You don't know what my storm is. You don't know how bad it is. Okay, you can let go of Acts, but turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to see this verse. It's a familiar passage, but very important when you're talking about what God wants to do when we are in storms. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and the verse is verse 13. Notice first it says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able. But with will the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. The first thing you want to notice in this verse, it says it's common to man. Can I tell you something? You're not the only one having a storm, if you're in the midst of a storm right now. There are many people all over the world, many people probably in our church itself, they're having some type of storm in their life. But the reason we'll know we're making it is a key word there. We can know we're making it because, look in verse 13, it says, God is faithful. I want you to help me with something for just a moment. I want you to say, God is faithful, when I kind of point at you like this. Let's try it. There's nobody here but us. There's nobody here but us. Okay, you ready? Let's just pray one more time in case you forgot. God, God is, is faithful. I want you to think about something. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you say, how am I going to make it through this day? You know what you need to say to yourself? God is faithful. You're getting weak already. <laughs> he is faithful. How am I going to make it through the day? My, my, what if your circumstances take a bad turn during the day? You know what you need to say to yourself? God, God is, is faithful. faithful. He's going to keep his promises. He's going to do what he says. And you can be confident of how bad the storm it is. There's something he's working for good, maybe in your life right now, to teach you something, maybe for a future good that you don't even know or understand. But you can say this, God is faithful. He's faithful. You know, I know my circumstances are turned against me, but I'll make it because he's faithful. You know, maybe... There are people troubling you. Maybe it's family. Maybe it's somebody at work. And people are giving you a hard time or are being difficult. You know, you can make it through that. You know why? God is faithful. faithful, And he'll help you through it. Um, Before we turn to Psalms, and it'll be our last passage tonight, this verse talks about a way of escape. And it's a sense of nautical term. And it, it means like a landing place or making it safe to port. Like if there's a ship on the sea, he'll make a way of escape so you can make it through the storm or make it through the difficulty and all the way to the shore, all the way to the port. Doesn't say that the storm will go away, but you'll make it through because God is 
I'm doing part of it for you. I feel sorry for you, so I'm trying to help you. God is faithful, and he'll, he'll give you a landing place. Look at Psalms 107. It'll be our last passage tonight. Y'all you know, been very patient. He is faithful. We, you know, people aren't faithful. We're not faithful, really, the way we should be. But God is completely and totally and reliably faithful. And we can count on him. He is faithful. Psalms 107, uh, one of my favorite passages that I always like to look at when I look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13, is beginning in verse 23. Notice this. It says, They that go down to the sea in ships to do, that do business in great waters. You know, this kind of, uh, in my mind, is like, this is somebody just going to work. This is a day like any other day. And many of us will get up tomorrow. It's going to be a day like any other day. But we don't know, we don't realize that around the corner could be a storm coming up in our life. And it says, uh, verse 24, These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. And they mount up to the heaven, and they go down again to the depths. And their soul is melted because of what? Trouble. You know, Storms are not pleasant. Here it talks about the sailors. They're in trouble. There's a big storm has come up in their life. God has allowed it. You can say, if you want to use the word caused it. And he didn't cause it for just no reason at all. It could be because he's trying to teach you something. It could be because he's working a future good in your life. It could be because your life's not right and he's trying to get your attention. He's chastening you. It could be for a lot of different reasons, but you, you need to trust God. But it, that happens many days, just a, a day like any other, and all of a sudden this blows up. Look at verse 27. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. You know, a drunken man has no control. You know what happens many times when there's storms? We, we have no control over what's going on. You know what? If it's easy to do, we make the mistake of drifting and giving up instead of keep going. We make the mistake of starting to, to criticize or complain and, 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 and we have because we have no control over the situation. Look at verse 28. And then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he bringeth them out of their distresses. That's the way of escape. Hey, you know, I need God. He's faithful and he's going to do what he promised. And he, he, he's going to be completely and totally faithful. It says in verse 29, He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Verse 30, Then are they glad because they be quiet. So He bringeth them unto their what? Desire haven. You know, one day we're going to, if you know Christ, you'll be in heaven. And in the meantime, there might be a lot of storms blow up in your life. If we'll just keep going and trust the Lord, He's a faithful God. And in an instant, it will seem like an instant of time, we'll be in heaven with him. And there will be no more storms and no problems. And, and you know why? Because God is faithful. And he will help you through whatever. Even when it seems like you just don't know what you're going to do, you're at your wit's end, like this verse says. He is faithful. And he'll help you through the storm. Might make it go away completely. Might make it better but it's still there. Might not seem like he makes it better, but you know what? If you'll trust him, he'll help you through the storm because he's faithful. He is faithful. And so let me encourage you tonight. 
maybe start that tomorrow morning. When you wake up in the morning, that's the first thing you say, God, I, I know I'm going to make it through the day because you're faithful. And I'm going to trust you with today. You know, I, you can trust him with the whole month if you want, but you know what? I, I would do it a day at a time. You know, we ought to trust God with our life for the rest of our lives till the time he takes us home to heaven. But I just a day at a time said, Lord, I'm going to trust you today. I don't know if a storm's going to blow up, but if it does, I know you're faithful and you'll help me uh, through that time. Now, you can close your Bibles. Uh, wrap it up now. or Past time just a little bit. But I'm so glad that you came out tonight. I'm looking around. I know most people... Um, but I don't know maybe everybody here perfectly, and this message was for those that know Christ as their Savior, but maybe you're here and you don't know for sure that if you were to die today or 10 years from today or 50 years from today that you'd be in heaven. And the Bible says you can know that. It has nothing to do with your behavior. It has nothing to do where you go to church. It does have nothing to do with denomination. It does have nothing to do with baptism this morning. It has nothing to do with that. All those things, uh, many of those things are just good things that we might try to do. But you know, the Bible says being good won't get us to heaven. Just try to be good. But you, you know how good you have to be? You have to be perfect, and none of us are. And that is why Jesus came. To do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't give God anything to go to heaven. So Jesus died and paid the debt of sin that we owe. God says there's a penalty for sin. We can't pay the penalty by our good works. But Jesus came and paid that penalty for us when he died on the cross. And he shed his blood. And he rose from the dead to prove that our sin was paid for. And God was satisfied with that payment. And now his offer to, to people is everlasting life. Not if they start going to a certain church. Not if they try to turn over a new leaf. He'll give them eternal life if they would believe. And believe means to trust and rely upon Jesus as your only hope for heaven. He is the Savior. He died for you, and you, you just need to trust him. And if you've never done that, I encourage you to put your trust in Christ, even tonight. If you have questions about that, even tonight, I'd be glad to talk to you. Pastor Peterson be glad to talk to you and uh, get that settled. That I can't save myself. I'm going to trust Christ to save me. He is the Savior, and I'm trusting him. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Again, my encouragement tonight is uh, just to follow up on why is there suffering and to realize there is going to be suffering. There are storms. How do we react? How do we react? Do we take advice from people without comparing to the Word of God? That's not a good idea. Do we, we make decisions based on circumstances that are always changing? Do we have our eyes on those things instead of the Lord? Do we get discouraged and want to give up? Uh, maybe even begin to criticize or blame people or blame God. God doesn't want us to do those things. He wants us to go, God, I, I, this is tough, but I realize there is a reason for it, and I'm going to trust you about that. And I believe that you will help me through this storm because you promised to make a way of escape. You promised me to get, to get me through this tempest and, and bring me to the safe haven. And I know you'll do it because you are faithful. And let me encourage you to do that because I, I promise you, you will go through some type of storm. 
personally or someone you know that's close to you, a loved one, is going to have a difficulty. And, you know, again, it's not a pleasant thing, but God always has a reason. What he does is right, and it's always right, and so we just need to trust him. And then, again, just cling cling to that promise. He will make a way of escape. He'll help you through it because he's a faithful God. Father, we do thank you for that. We thank you we can count on you amidst difficult circumstances and things that uh, that come up in storms that blow in our life. Father, help us realize that we shouldn't just drift along and and, uh, not put effort into it. But, Father, you'll help us. And you, you will give us direction. You will help us through the storm because you're a faithful God and we can count on you. And so, Father, help us to that end. Help us realize that when we react to storms that way, that uh, it's a great testimony for the cause of Christ. And it'll be a help to us personally because uh, even uh, when we seem at our wit's end, we can have the peace that was preached about this morning, the peace uh, of God. Uh, that can help us in our lives. So, Father, just uh, thank you for each one that came, and we ask you to bless them, uh, help each one get home safely, help us this week be a testimony of uh, believing and trusting in the faithful God that you are. And, Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.